Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The FT. Counting the cost of the Japanese earthquake and tsunami, how your finances are affected. Looking ahead to next week's budget, what we already know about tax rises, and choosing this year's cash ISA, for how long should you tie up your savings? All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Elaine Moore. Hello. And Steve Lodge. Hello. And our special studio guest, Andrew Tabey-Folks personal tax partner at Ernst & Young. Hello. So let's start then with the money news. All week, financial markets have reeled in the aftershock of the earthquake and tsunami that have devastated the Sendai region of Japan, just north of Tokyo, and the mounting fears of widespread radioactive fallout from the stricken Fukushima nuclear power plant. At one point, the Nikkei 225 index was down 20%, wiping out all of its gains for the year. World equity markets have also fallen for consecutive days, with Britain's benchmark FTSE 100 closing lower for a sixth consecutive session on Wednesday this week, dropping by another 1.7% to hit 5598, its lowest level since last November. According to one analyst, investors have stampeded out of the stock market, with few expected to buy back into equities until the Japanese government says that the nuclear danger is over. But while UK investors' exposure can be quantified, according to the Scandia fund platform, the average portfolio holding in Japan funds is just 2%. Other financial products over which we have less choice may be affected more. General insurance in particular looks set to become more expensive uh, for both policyholders in the business and personal sectors. Um, Elaine, you've been trying to assess the impact uh, of what's gone on in Japan on insurance rates. Um, Let's start with the way the markets have reacted. Um, Insurance company shares have been hit quite hard. Well, it's still very early days, but there was an immediate effect on insurance share prices for some of the UK companies such as Legal and General, Prudential, Aviva. Um, Some of these companies have been quick to come out and say they actually don't have any exposure in Japan. Aviva was one of those. RSA has said that it does, but it's not a significant amount. So they've been trying to quash investors' worries about this. So investors perhaps um, are limited in their exposure if they hold any of these stocks um, in their portfolios. Um, But looking at the effect on uh, the cost of insurance generally, um, 
This is a massive bill, isn't it? There's going to be a massive uh, bill for uh, trying to pay out on all of the devastation. There will be repercussions across the world. So although it's still quite soon to work out the total bill for insurers, one analyst said to me that it could be up to £60 billion which would make this the second most expensive disaster for global insurers and reinsurers after Hurricane Katrina back in 2005. And what that means is that global reinsurance rates could then come up because the amount of money they need to cover this, coming on the back of the floods in Australia and the earthquake in New Zealand, there's been a lot of things happening around the same amount of time. If rates do come up, there could then be a knock-on effect for the general insurance rates that you and I pay for things like home insurance and car insurance. And that, I suppose, is is, is sort of you know, one of the questions that listeners will be wondering: uh, Are they going to see a difference in their premium rates um, next year? Probably not next year. What I've been told is that there may be an effect. But if there is one, then we won't see it for a few years. It'll take a while to trickle down into our premiums. Although what one insurer said to me, the way that he said we should imagine it, is that the global reinsurance rates, although they do factor into the premiums set by insurers, it's a very small amount. So he said, if you can imagine something happening in the UK, which then pushes up reinsurance rates locally, still the effect on the UK premiums would be only a few percent. What actually makes more of a difference is what's happening within those certain markets. So say there's been a lot of car crashes and a lot of pulls on car insurance, that means that the car insurance rates will go up the next year. That's so it's still very much a sort of domestic uh, market. It's, it's what goes on in this country that will affect how much you're paying in your uh, you know, premium renewal. Absolutely. It's what happens here is much more important than what happens in the rest of the world, although there is still the possibility of a slight change as a result. Um, but Elaine, I, th- I think um, many of the many of the listeners will hold insurers' shares. They're very popular shares, of course. And haven't they also been hit this week by, if you like, the page two news, not really the Japan stuff and the fears of the cost of clearing up the, the, the disaster, but actually a lot of the European debt, ongoing European debt problems and just how murky their investment portfolios are at these companies. What I've been told is that insurance rates generally, they've been coming down over the last few years, but recently they've been coming up again. Insurers haven't had any sort of large scale events on, of this size for a few years, but now things are starting to change. And insurance rates going up, going up again suggest that you know, insurers will be able to sort of rebuild and we could see a recovery in their share prices in the years to come. Oh, indeed. I think, Matthew, I think, you know, many analysts think that the likes of Aviva are, you know, sort of fabulous buys. But I think the concern is, you know, getting inside the, getting under the bonnet of insurers and actually understanding their investment portfolios and their, their risk exposure. Exactly. Um, trying to see the bigger picture. Elaine, thanks very much for that. And uh, for more on the effects of the Japanese disaster on UK funds, uh, managed portfolios and indeed insurance policies, look out for our articles in the money section of this weekend's FT and on our website at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, is it worth tying your money up for five years to earn 5% tax-free in a cash ISA? We compare the best fixed rates and easy access accounts. But first, the budget. 
Next Wednesday's speech from Chancellor George Osborne is unlikely to contain many surprises for individual taxpayers because most of the changes to tax allowances, tax bans and national insurance rates from this April have already been published by the coalition government in the draft finance bill and some of the changes even date back to the previous Labour government's pre-budget report of late 2009. So, if we know that we're going to be worse off to a certain extent, Steve, um, can we quantify exactly how much? Well, Matthew, obviously it depends on individual circumstances, but I think you mentioned the national insurance rise. Remember that one? That, we, that's going all the way back to the old Labour government, Gordon Brown and all that. Now, regardless of the changes and the attempt to offset the so-called tax for jobs, pretty much everyone's going to be paying another 1%. Now, combined with income tax, that's going to mean at the very top end, there's now a new 52% top rate of income tax and national insurance combined rates. High-rate taxpayers, 42% and so on. Then, as you mentioned, the high-rate threshold's coming down. Now, that's offset, that's, it's coming down about to about 42,475 pounds, I think, thereabouts. Um, let's say 42,500 pounds. So anyone earning over that is now in the high-rate tax threshold. That will take, that, that change, that will drag, um, experts tell us, another 750,000 mid-learners into the higher rate tax ban for the first time. And it will mean those of us who are already higher rate taxpayers are paying higher rate tax on more of our income. Of course, it's offset by personal allowance at the other end, uh, the personal allowance increase. Now, it, it doesn't stop there. I appreciate this is a fairly sort of long shopping list, but stamp duty, 5% on million pound plus, plus properties. Pensions tax relief, the, the, the ability to get tax relief at your highest rate, i.e. the way of get, avoiding all that horrible increased income tax, that's being restricted to 50, a flat £50,000 um, uh, from April the 6th. So in answer to your question, typically hundreds of pounds, in some cases thousands of pounds, and in some cases many thousands of pounds. So <laughs> that's a very long intro to introduce Andrew Tableby Fox here. Um, Andrew, um, a lot of your clients are wealthy people. I mean, just how bad is that long list of horrors for them? Well, we've been used for several years now in budgets to hearing the bad news before it actually happens, um, which allows us to get used to it. But I think clients, um, taxpayers in general, don't really bargain on the effects of these changes until they actually happen. So, for instance, you mentioned the, the 1% rise in NI. I think people will really notice that in their pay packets. Mm. Um, similarly with, uh, with pensions, although the 50,000 limit for next year uh, is better than a lot of people imagined it would be uh, for the very high earners uh, who have been used to putting, in some cases, many hundreds of thousands of pounds into their pensions, that'll be a very significant drop in the income that they can shelter mm. um, and they'll be thinking of other ways that they can reduce their tax bills. Indeed, although some of them of course have had the, that tax relief restricted in recent years haven't they? We, we've had these anti-forestalling measures. There have been 20 and 30. very complex transitional rules, yes indeed. And what about the stamp duty? I mean that's arguably the simplest one. How, will that affect what we've see, hitherto seen a, a relatively resilient prime housing market? In the London prime market, my suspicion is it probably won't make a huge difference because, it, you know, when one's dealing with those kind of numbers, 1% in the central London prime market won't make any difference at all. But it will drive some behaviour. At the moment, there are lots of people trying to complete transactions before the uh, 6th of April in order to 
secure the 4% rate. Mm. And coming back to this combined rate as well of, of you know, national insurance and higher ed tax, the sort of thing that higher earnings will be paying, sort of 52% on their earnings. Yes. We're, we're suddenly at the point where people are paying more than half their income to the government. Indeed, which is a position we haven't been in, in this country for a very long time. Um, what we might hope for uh, next Wednesday are some new incentives for enterprise, which would allow people to um, spend some of their income in a way which helped enterprise and reduce their tax bills. So, for example, there might be some enhancements to the uh, the present enterprise in- investment scheme. We might have um, some sort of new enterprise zone scheme, which was, if you recall, uh, uh, something from the Thatcher era, which gave rise to Canary Wharf and to some perhaps less successful uh, projects. Um, and for entrepreneurs themselves, uh, we may even see an increase in, in the entrepreneurs' relief, which is... Is this the, this million pounds? Well, this it's actually £5 mm. million pounds oh, right. now. Um, and that's how, how big a gain you can make when you sell your business and only pay 10% mm. capital gains tax. Mm. Um, so I think if there are any... You're quite right. There probably won't be too many surprises. If there are any nice surprises, mm. it'll be to encourage enterprise. And, and a final rabbit... Do you have a sort of rabbit that the Chancellor will pull out of his hat, or are those...? Well, I think he will be conscious that the an international audience will be watching this, this budget, um, particularly with the new uh, fast-track immigration policy for the super-wealthy, uh, with lots of people leaving places of conflict to come to uh, friendlier jurisdictions. The UK will be wanting to attract those people, so clearly it's unlikely he will reduce the top rate of income tax. Uh, but he might make some noises that would signal that for the future. Uh, And and equally, um, while there might be pressure to put up the capital gains rate from its current 28% to something nearer to the income tax top rates, he might be persuaded not to do that. Well, we'll be looking out for uh, any of those uh, uh, measures in next uh, Wednesday's budget speech. Uh, but for a full list uh, of all of those tax changes that, that we know are coming in from April, no matter what Mr Osborne says, look out for the checklist in the money section of this weekend's FT and on our website at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today individual savings accounts, or ISAs as we all know them. In the last few days, banks and building societies have been finalising their best cash ISA rates, with some now offering around 3% on instant access, or 5% if you tie up your ISA money for five years. However, not all of those variable rates are as good as they seem. According to the rate analysts at Money Facts, many have introductory bonuses to draw savers in, but not one ISA extends its bonus rate past the initial first year. While on the other hand, with inflation edging up and the Bank of England still forecast to raise the base rate sometime this year, it's questionable whether it's worth getting stuck in a five-year fix for the sake of an extra couple of percentage points. So, Steve, it seems like it's a bit more of a difficult choice for a cash ISO this year. Um, Is it really, or is it more straightforward from your point of view? Well, Matthew, I mean, it's a happier choice than many people, including myself, predicted just a few weeks ago. Rates of we, we've seen an intensification of competition. And um, as you mentioned, it's now possible to get well, well over three percent. Well, I say well over three and a half percent 
on some variable rate ISAs. Um, is that with introductory bonus or without? That is, for example, well, yes, th- there's always a catch, isn't there? Take 3% as your benchmark uh, at the top end of, of variable rate ISAs, but for example, Santander for its current account customers, but don't forget Santander, the old Abbey, is a big current account provider. For certain current account customers with them, you can get a 3.5% rate that's also linked to base rates. So if, if base rate goes up, your rate goes even further up. Now, I'd say that's pretty good when base rate is 0.5. On the fixed side, you mentioned 5%. Sad news, that 5% rate was actually withdrawn earlier this week. Has it gone? I've, it's gone already. I've missed so, it. So, the, I mean, so this is the issue. Even with the end of the tax year, don't expect that something that's launched one day will necessarily be there right to the end of the tax year and indeed into the new tax year when you might want to use your new ISA allowance. Um, the highest rate um, as we as we speak is four and a half percent from Skipton um, and that's five year that's a five year fixed rate. Um, but you can get some quite reasonable rates for much shorter term fixes which people might feel co- more comfortable with because as you rightly say base rates are expected to move certainly within the next few years. Um, for example Nationwide has an 18 month uh, fixed rate ISA paying 3.55%. Um, and if you really want to sort of limit your fix, if so to speak, um, the highest one-year fixed rate is currently 3.1%. So what would you do? Um, we're looking at uh, a base rate rise mm. this year, perhaps a little bit later in the year than we'd initially thought, um, given the concerns about the global economy growth, etc., but still rates are going to move up. Would you go for something like the Santander offer where it's guaranteed to rise in line or would you fix for a short period well first of all i'm one of these boring people who's already taken out my eyes this year and and written my will etc etc so um but but it's an important point because many listeners will have quite significant cash ice portfolios now you could have 60 odd thousand plus and it's very much worth looking around to see if you can transfer the accounts. There are millions of people out there who are earning 0.1% on quite significant sums. So you can switch to the, in many cases, you can switch to these threes, these four cents. Um, so that would be the first point. So even if you have taken out your allowance, don't think you can't take advantage of this competition. Secondly, in answer to your question, I, li- I do like that Santander deal. Um, I am a Santander current account holder, so I think I qualify for three and a half. But if you aren't someone who qualifies, I think there's a similar offer on for 3.3. It seems to me base rates will move up at some point uh, this year. I think it's, you know, we could argue about when and by how much, but I think we will see some kind of increase in in at least the next coming year. Um, And I think there's no certainty that banks and building societies will necessarily pass on that rate increase to their variable rate customers. And then, of course, the alternative is fixed rates. So the real question there is, am I being paid a sufficient premium to offset the risk of base rate shooting up? Um, And one has to say at the one year end, 3.1%, I'm not sure compared to the fact that you can already get... You know, three point three, three point. Well, definitely not. You can if you if if you can get a higher rate from variable. Why would you want to tie your money in? However, against that, um, the eighteen month nationwide offer, and I think it's even higher if you've got a significant sum, a sort of tens of thousands of pounds. Um, that could be quite an interesting option as well. So, plenty of options uh, in these last few weeks while you can still get your money in before the end of the tax year. Steve, thanks very much indeed for that. And for Steve's six of the best, the best buy cash ISAs for different types of saver, make sure you read the money section of this weekend's FT.
But that's all for this week's FD Money Show. Remember, you will find all of these stories, plus daily news updates, top tips, and our latest ISA Q&A on our website at ft.com forward slash money. And if you have a question that you'd like us to answer about any aspect of your finances, just email us. The address is money at ft.com. Next week, we'll bring you another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me, Steve, Elaine, and our special guest, Andrew Taby folks of Ernst & Young. Goodbye. 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 For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.